you, oh, you're not even listening to me. Listen, my darling, I'm very glad that you've come, but the thing with comedy is that I'm very good at my job, all right? And, and the thing with stand-up comedy is it's a bit like sex with your missus. It's just better if you let her get on with it on her own. Welcome to the latest episode of the Book Club on Football Ramble Presents. I am Jim Campbell. And I'm Kate Mason. And today we're joined by the star of TV shows such as Mock the Week and Live at the Apollo, the two-time winner of Best Performer in the Comedian's Choice Awards and author of Clop Actually, Imaginary Life with Football's Most Sensible Heartthrob, Laura Lex. Welcome, Laura. How are you doing? Hello. I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's lovely to have you on. Thank you very much. I think you are the first and possibly the only ever person who will appear on, on the uh, Football Ramble book club who um, actually doesn't really much care for football. And um, <laughs> I, 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 for one, would like to celebrate that. It's weird, isn't it? On, um, I think it was on New Year's Eve. You know, Charlie Baker does his sports show on Talk Sport, I think it is. Yeah. And um and they had me on, and then I was sort of I said to Tom, my husband, I was like, "Oh, I've got a radio thing to do at two o'clock," and he was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And I said, oh, "I'm on Talk Sport. They're doing like a sporting <laughs> highlights of 2020." <laughs> he just looked at me like, "How is how are you, <laughs> babe? I don't know." <laughs> so, um, to give everyone at home some background on why that might happen, um, near the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Jurgen Klopp had been asked his thoughts on how the government should act in the wake of coronavirus and his response was to essentially question why anyone would ask a football manager or a celebrity that question instead of an expert in the first place and around that time on the 13th of March Laura tweeted the following if I ever met Jurgen Klopp I'd say OMG if we ever have a baby we should call it Clip just so he'd raise an eyebrow at me and tell me I'm a moron and I'd be so naked by the time he'd finished doing that and what followed from that is what we're here to discuss today, which is <laughs> a, a, a physical, real-world book. I mean, how how does that come about, Laura? How does a book come about from a from a Twitter thread? Um, yeah, w- weirdly. I mean, uh, so first thing that sort of happened was um, as the thread gained momentum on Twitter. Um, people started replying and I think it was like Marion Keys and Emma Kennedy were sort of replying and going oh my god please write this as a book um <laughs> and I was sort of like oh haha you know what it's like on Twitter like something goes viral and then the next day something else goes viral mm-hmm. um and then uh I guess some book agents and stuff suddenly started following me and there was I remember Joe Unwin was so lovely and was like genuinely the writing on this is really funny if you have got a book in you like let me know um and then I I sort of like I don't know the pandemic kicked in and everything got weird and obviously you know behind the scenes when these things go viral with comedians and stuff suddenly agents are scrambling to turn it into Mm. actual meetings and opportunities um and then, yeah, I think because the thread was so long and it was sort of like a cute idea and there was lots of writing in it, um, publishers and stuff were sort of saying, actually, would you be interested in writing a book? Like, could you do this? Um, so I picked an agent out of all the agents I'd spoken to, lovely Diana, and then she sort of spoke to publishers. And then we ended up in meetings sort of all over Zoom, obviously, because this was back in April when everything was 
properly shut um ended up in sort of meetings with lots of publishers with them saying like what kind of book would you envisage as being and some people wanted a novel and some people wanted like a comic strip and sort of slowly talking to different people and finding a place where I could write the sort of book that I felt the idea would best translate into and then um yeah. Yeah, then I just started to write it. It's kind of a lovely place to live uh, in your in your mind, Laura. In your world, Is it? I mean, there's a lot of there's a there's some some more lovely than others. I mean, there's a lot of sex in there, obviously, um, and there are a lot of you're addressing a lot of uh, your insecurities, I guess, and about how you might make them better if Jürgen Klopp were in your life. Now, clearly, this is not the premise by which you live your life. But was it <laughs> was it in some ways a bit comforting um, to be delving into this whole fantasy land in the midst of what has been for so many people a bit of a crap year and quite a stressful one? Yeah, I think so. I think when when it was all signed and it was like, this is going to be your book, and then it, it suddenly occurred to me that whatever I write now, this is going to follow me around for the rest of my career. This book will be something I've done. And I wanted to make it a bit more than smart and a bit more than like some sort of cheap gifty book kind of idea. Not that I'm knocking those, you know, they're funny, but it wasn't quite what I wanted to have in my brand, you know, um, for what I do. Um, so I kind of, and as I started writing, like, I think that was the thing about the thread was that it was about this person with anxiety, me, and it was all these like little sweet needy things. Like obviously the smut and the euphemisms are a big part of it, but then the neediness and the reality of being somebody that needs constant reassurance and, and like propping up, that was another part of it that I think people tapped into. So I wanted to sort of have an element of that in the book. And obviously like in my stand-up, I've dealt with the fact that I have anxiety and depression quite a lot. And I kind of wanted to be able to write a book that covered that without writing a self-help book, you know? Like, I didn't want to write a book like, so you're miserable, here's how to be better. But it, it has got that sort of feel to it, but without doing it as directly, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things that is is quite surprising about the book, I suppose, is because obviously the premise is that, you know, it's an imagined diary of your life with with Jurgen Klopp and all the fun things you'd get up to and and as you discussed the sort of the the kind of rock he would be for you <laughs> and how he how he would um would prop you up. Is that obviously the character of Clip, uh the the <laughs> daughter you have with Jurgen who is yeah. who's been present from the very first tweet in this thread <laughs> as it unfolded, your relationship with her is actually really sweet. And there is a lot of exploration of anxiety and self-doubt. And it, for, for a book with such a kind of funny premise, it, it does grow into something that's, that's quite touching and it, that unfolds over the book. And is, is that something that you'd always planned to do or did that kind of develop within the process of, of writing it? Um, I'd say that more developed as I was writing it because the first thing I had to do was check how far I could stretch this joke without breaking it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's all very well a thread going viral, but tweets are 140 characters long and nobody's got to buy them. So the first <laughs> thing I was trying to do was go, oh, okay, how do I make this into a long enough thing to be a product without it just being so repetitive and boring? Um so I started out writing like more ideas in the short form and then 
was sort of like, okay, well, how can I write longer chapters? Like, what will they look like? And I think one of the first ones I wrote was Clip's birthday party. And then the more I sort of started exploring this and I had to sort of answer questions with my producer, which was like, so in this imaginary marriage, has has Jürgen moved in with you in your current life? Like, is he living in a tiny <laughs> flat with no money? Or have you joined the sort of like middle class elite, you know, the suburban housewives brigade? And I sort of wanted to, I, I, I kind of thought like, how can I cover as many of my different anxieties as I can and it felt like wrapping in being nervous about being as good as other parents and and you know worrying about looking after things properly all of that could be absorbed just as well with this constant rock character just turning up and going hey you know this calm down and think it through yeah I think the bit where I fell in love with your version of Jürgen Klopp, uh, Laura, was probably page 80 and you're hosting a barbecue. So I guess, yeah, you've, you've got a garden and it's all quite, uh, all quite, I, I might actually just read it. Um, he, your mother says, your query fictional mother, we'll get onto that. Um, <laughs> you're very, well, you're very sweet to help Laura. So Jürgen is like clearing up the dishes and stuff and picking things up from where people have been eating. Anyway, she says, well, you're very sweet to help Laura. My mother mutters, not enjoying the exchange. I'm not helping her. That's Jürgen. Helping her would be to imply it is her job and I am assisting. We are just doing it together. My mother is silent. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've summed up quite a lot of family experiences in that one moment. Yeah. And it's not entirely improbable that Jürgen Klopp would be the man to solve all those things. Now I come to think about it. Did you see that video of him talking about loading the dishwasher during lockdown? I thought that was a spitting image thing. No. No, I on <laughs> honestly, seek that one out. I'm not, I'm not being a pervert here but seek that one out he has a whole bit about how he's learned to stack the stack the dishwasher and I do feel like he filmed that for me <laughs> yeah I mean are you concerned Laura that there's a danger that you've idealized him so much that his actual wife will read it and just be like what why can't you be more like this yeah that's that's the thing isn't it she's either gonna read it and be like yeah baby married to the greatest man on earth or read it and be like listen bitch if only you knew <laughs> if only you knew the reality of him having 11 other wives who all play football before me I think yeah that's that the really tempting thing to ask obviously and I'm sure people have been asking you this constantly it's like do you know if he's aware of it I mean the book's been out for a little while now and it is such a unique premise that you would think it might have crossed his path at some point yes I know that he knows about it because somebody on the <laughs> Liverpool staff told him about it and got in touch with me and said that he'd said it sounded funny so I mm. have sent a book but I don't actually know if they've ever given it to him um, but so that's as far as I got with that. But I, I already feel like a total weirdo for having written it. In the first. Like, <laughs> I felt like a bit of a weirdo when I did the thread, and then it was a book, and I felt like a mega weirdo. And now yeah. I feel like if I try really hard to get him to read it somehow, I've like crossed a line into complete weirdo. Um, yeah, these things happen, don't they? I mean, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey started off as Twilight fan fiction, didn't it? So I mean, this yeah. could start a trend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Jim, I've got to tell you, Twilight's not actually—it's um, not actually real, right? 
Okay, I don't think Fifty Shades of Grey is, and I don't think Laura's married to Jurgen Klopp. So no, it might be a it's not really real either. It's just like. a game, guys. So don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, okay, S- steady on, steady on, yeah. steady on. That, you we come need in that. Here and, come on, and break football. That's, we, we gonna, we've managed to hold on to these jobs for the whole of this pandemic. What are you trying to do to us? Um, uh, Jim was mentioning all these people who, uh, or, and you said as well about all these people getting in touch with you on Twitter and everyone being lovely and just wanting to be your best friend, basically, because you were being so, because you were so funny and the ideal life that you were creating was just chiming with so many people, uh, like with that example of the, of the barbecue. Um, there, well, there was not a hundred percent praise, um, because Piers Morgan said you were sexist. Uh, yeah. what? What did you make of that, for starters? And I mean, because obviously you you are you are, uh, I guess, objectifying Jurgen Klopp here. Well, this is where I disagree with you because to objectify means to make somebody into an object, uh, and I would argue that my treatment of the fictionalized Klopp or the real Klopp, however <laughs> you want to read it, is always about his behaviour. Um, Mm. there's very little by way of description of him as a physical object or making him behave like an automaton, which I think is where people get annoyed at fiction that sexualizes people or is sexualized, is that you remove agency from the character and turn them into a sexual item, which Mm. I don't feel like I'm guilty of. Like, I'd be happy to have that discussion if somebody really felt strongly that I had done that I'd be like oh okay tell me how and I'll learn from that but I didn't feel like I was doing that and I still don't having looked back over it that's so, so appears, and yeah really good way of putting it so a Piers Morgan pylon can't be a fun thing Laura and obviously that was happening alongside the kind of initial joy of of the thread kind of going viral as well so that must have been a confusing thing to balance how, what, what was it like being on the receiving end of that Um, yeah, to be honest, not many people joined in his pile. Um, (laughs) like there was, there was the odd person being like, oh yeah, imagine if the roles were reversed, like if somebody wrote this about a woman. And you just think like, I don't have the time and mental energy to explain to you that women are never annoyed at being thought of as intelligent and charming and (laughs) pleasant. (laughs) They're annoyed when their bosoms are described as heaving and their, you know, (laughs) bum like jelly. And, you know, that that's what we get annoyed at is constantly being these stereotypes. Mm. If somebody wants to write a book about me where they talk about what a brilliant person to be around I am, you go (laughs) ahead, babe. And I promise not to cry heaving is a is a weird old concept isn't it it is isn't it like women breathe totally different to men because they can't go to the shop without flaunting things it's just so difficult isn't it i find it difficult when i'm going to tesco and like i just have to remember not to flaunt it's hard right (laughs) it's so hard isn't it not to not to squeeze yourself into your coat (laughs) pour your curves (laughs) into your jeans and go and buy some orange juice but like that that's the thing like I felt really like like Jim you know you know me and IRL in the meat space I um, (laughs) I'm a really insecure person and I I'm desperately upset to hurt people ever so the writing a book or a thread about a real person I know that that had consequences but it was that's why I made some of the choices I made like I think the most I ever do in physically describing him is he's got nice eyes or he's tall those are about the only things I really say and and in the book I never use his name through it. it's always my husband or my beloved or my mm. darling or something like that like I think those things were a conscious choice to 
to, to aim the tone in a certain way so that you knew that this was respectful. So if it does go too far, of course, I would unreservedly apologize to Jurgen Klopp, but the the intent behind it and the reason people didn't feel like that when they read it initially wasn't an accident. It was careful sort of understanding of tone and, and use of words. Mm. I think you make that very clear in the in the introduction and in the acknowledgements <laughs> as well that you know you, you're not actually some sort of um, you know misery style lunatic that is helping <laughs> on making any of this real. I, I do have to 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 ask though. I imagine you've played through the scenario of actually meeting Jurgen Klopp uh, in real life in in your head and kind of imagined how it would go. But I also have to ask: Have you imagined what what would happen if if instead you somehow bumped into his wife? I mean, you'd hope they'd see the funny side, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't oh, you? of course. You would. <laughs> like I... if my own husband can cope with what's, what yeah. I've done. <laughs> 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 my own Spurs supporting husband can live with oh, me still. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh I, I'd just be mortified, I think, because... I don't know. Yeah, I, I like. I really stand by the book. I think it's very funny. But then, yeah, when I, if I was like stood in front of the real person, being like, "Oh, just be less lovely in press conferences." Then, if you, you know, not to victim blame, like you should not. But I just he's... <laughs> victim. I love that Jurgen Klopp is the victim of my comedy. <laughs> <laughs> So can we talk about the sex then? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so basically every single section pretty much ends with you like shagging and increasingly creative euphemisms. Um, some examples, you order a takeaway. In the meantime, he finds a way to satiate my other appetites. Um, <laughs> he brings up economic inequity. I'm overwhelmed with a desire to turn out all the lights, I guess, to save money, amongst other things. Uh, did you, how did you work on creating all of these? Because they're just, they're very funny, but there's a lot of them. It's, it's a lot of variety <laughs> you've, had to, you've had to build into this conceit. Yeah, um, well, it helped that I was like in that manic stage of the first lockdown at the time. You know, that bit where we were all like, must make content. Um, mm. it, it was all written through April and May and then into June, I think. No, yes, I think my deadline was middle of June. So I was riding that adrenaline wave of having lost everything and just needing to do this or we couldn't pay the rent. Um, but also there was that, like, it, it's a formula, I suppose. Like, and my brain is very attuned to writing jokes because that's all I do for a living. So it was like football plus domesticity plus euphemism equals joke. Um, so it was sort of a case. There were so many days where I was sitting around the house Googling top 10 commentator cliches and then making a list of them and working out which ones I could make sexy uh and then going in to see Tom and going Tom what is a free kick and what is a penalty um and <laughs> then trying to work out how I could use like he's playing lightly on the edge of the box you know all that sort of stuff like we actually we watched a football match <laughs> so, just so that I could be like right okay is there a here and then that's how I found out what VAR was and I was like right that's going in the book um so it was sort of that kind of thing and then there were just so many days where I was 
you know, once that lockdown just got so monotonous and kind of going round and and just thinking like, what am I sick of doing in the house? What am I stuck on? What do I get nervous of? And then, you know, like looking at that scenario and pulling all the puns out of that. It's great. It's very A funny. highlight of mine, uh, a highlight of mine, if I may just dive in with it, is uh, when you're discussing, because I think Kate's been, Kate's chosen some almost chaste I've examples been, there. I've chosen <laughs> some chaste examples, yeah. I don't know what to read my, into that, actually. My apologies. My highlight do, do the, is... Uh, do the naughty ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one of them is simply, he leads me into the kitchen, but a sandwich is not the first thing I put inside me. <laughs> even that... Even that is relatively tame uh, compared to the bit where you're speaking about your husband uh, making meal plans. Uh, and you say, as my eyes scan the color-coded day planner, complete with cooking times and calorie content, my <laughs> stomach is not the only empty growler. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that were you, made were my you particularly proud of so that many. one? <laughs> I was, because I think there was a different one. I think I changed it. For, I remember editing that one. It was something else. And then that made me laugh. And I sent it to my lovely editor, Kate. And she's quite, she was sending back so many exclamation marks and just, oh, no, we can't. Oh. And then she'd go, actually, I like there's one where I think the punchline was, um, I am the best candidate for rock solid dick. And she was like, I, I don't know if this is a bit much, Laura. And I was like, yeah, it's the most outspoken one, but it yeah. it did make me laugh. My favourite one is in the barbecue one that Kate mentioned when um, he's he, he has stood in a raincoat and shorts beneath an umbrella, stoking the barbecue to life with mesmerising efficiency. It's the perfect merge of our two cultures. I find I am <laughs> marinating more than just the legs of a chicken. <laughs> That that one I like for its subtlety, piquant texture. Kate, um, Kate sort of touched on it earlier. It's something I'm interested in as well. You talk about um, uh, your your mum quite a lot in the book and it's obviously difficult to know whether that is a fictionalised version of your mum or a completely made up version of your mum. Sort of how um, how kind of, because obviously your mum's going to be reading that as well. So how, how did you kind of balance that? Do you know what? That's really funny because um, when I handed it all in, my mum had to sign a waiver to say she wouldn't sue off the back of the book. <laughs> and I was there going like, what? But but Klopp doesn't have to sign one of those. Yeah. And they were that's... like, yeah, because of, I don't know, something about if you're famous, you've given up a right to privacy or something. But if you're like a blah, blah, blah. And I, so I, I had to go to my mum and be like, mum, I've written like a generic mum and daughter friction thing. Can you read it and check you don't hate me? And obviously she signed it. She's fine with it. But I think yeah. that's what I like about it. It's like me and my mum, we're not the sort of like, my mum's my best friend kind of mother-daughter relationship, but we're all right. Like she's my mum. Mm. She drives me nuts. I drive her nuts. Um but what I quite like is that she reads it and sees her mum in it and doesn't see herself because she's not her mum. <laughs> so, yes. so like it's a totally, totally exaggerated version. Like that was that was the daft thing when they were like, your mum's got to sign a thing to say that this is all based on fiction. And I actually had to write an email back to my publisher and be like, of course, it's based on fiction. 
I'm not married to Jurgen Klopp and I don't have any children, <laughs> let alone a child called Clip that I've had with Jurgen Klopp that my mum can get mad at me about. So, yeah, so it's sort of like an amalgamation, I suppose, of all of those insecurities that you get with those relationships where you're cl- clashing with an adult that used to be sort of superior to you in terms of yeah, what, what's it called, like hierarchy. That's really interesting. So it must have gone through your head. Like, I guess, like, if you're writing about any real person, that you have to do this right. But there must have been a moment where it's like, oh God, have I have I made my mum sound that bad that <laughs> yeah. you think she might sue me? <laughs> well, she's quite used to it from my stand-up because that's what you do with comedy, isn't it? You take a yeah. real annoyance and then you blow it all out of all proportion to really squeeze all the jokes out of it. So mum's. Oh, oh! Shut up, Siri! Don't judge me. Um, my mum's quite used to it from from my gigging, but I think yeah. to me, because of be- spending so long writing the book, like I don't really see it as being me in the book. It's obviously based on me quite a lot, but because I've spent so much time with these characters and I pictured their house, and I, you know, the clop in my head is a bit removed from the real clop now because I've spent so long fine tooth combing these characters out to make them work for myself so yeah i don't see it as my mum at all i mean she is a nightmare but she's just not this nightmare (laughs) (laughs) so you watched a bit of football and you and how extensive is your clop uh research would you say um he's german he is uh uh (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, I did so you... do some. He he was at D- Dortmund, I think. Um, Very good. And he yeah. was a player. And in Germany, the leagues are numbered the other way, I think, which is very confusing. Uh, because there is a quote that he has somewhere where he says, I had a four- fourth division mind and first division legs or something like that. I don't know. Uh, which is why he is a better manager than he ever was a player. Mm. There are, there are actually some YouTube, there are some YouTube compilations of him scoring goals. I mean, I don't think he got that many, but it, like it, it just looks weird. He, cause he's got, a, <laughs> he, he looks a bit like one of the villains from Die Hard, doesn't he? Like not yeah. Hans Gruber, but one of the other ones, sort of the generic He reminds ones. me of um, Two-Face from the Batman films. Who's the, plays yeah. that guy? Um, Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, he's got yeah. that look about him. For me, like, in all honesty, once I got to the point of writing the book, the book was not really about him anymore. The book was about this this idealised way to deal with your own anxieties. Um, and, like, one of the ways we talked about doing the book was, if it was illustrated, was Klopp being this little, like, fairy godmother type character so you know there'd be an illustration of Laura in her room trying to get ready and then Klopp would be sort of this tiny little fairy sitting on the top of the wardrobe going hey it'll all be okay for these reasons so like that's much more how I saw it in my head was like how would I fix this anxiety or like what do I wish I remembered when I was in that panicky like or when I'm feeling absolute paranoia because somebody's read my whatsapp message and not replied what do I wish I knew in my head? Um, and he sort of just became a mechanism for like leaving myself notes on how to stay sane more than it was like this actual real man. Mm. I guess in a way, 
you've got to be careful that you don't let the real Jurgen Klopp get in the way of the story that you're trying to tell, I suppose. <laughs> you don't need yeah. to be sort of going off on about the Gegen press and other sort of tactical um, things that he's known for because it's just, it, it, yeah. it becomes sort of noise, doesn't it? And, and weirdly, and I, I w- football is irrelevant to this story. Yeah, I wanted the book to just be absolutely perfect if you've never seen a football game in your life. And I think there's probably only about two jokes in there that you need to know anything about football to get. But I don't know anything about football and I didn't want to write a book that I wouldn't enjoy. And I didn't want the Laura in the book to know anything about football either. So she's just as clueless as I am. Like, oh, he's Mm. gone to work. She might as well be married to a headmaster at a local school for all (laughs) she has any solid understanding of what he does. I would say as well, even, you know, but, but reading it as a football fan, it's still, uh, it still works. You know, if anyone's listening at home thinking, what the hell? She's not talking about (laughs) Liverpool winning the title. It doesn't matter. You're still going to enjoy it. I promise you. It does come up. Um, I promise. I put it in there just for the Liverpool fans. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, this has obviously been been a, a brilliant thing for you and one of those kind of surprising, unexpectedly lovely stories that has come out of the, the bizarre pandemic situation that we fa- find ourselves in. And um, you mentioned towards the end of the book in the acknowledgements that you're that you're now working on a novel, which is which is brilliant. So, uh, how do you how do you feel about that? Is that something that you've always wanted to do, or did it come out of this? And did you think, yeah, I'll do a novel as well? This has been a really exciting thing. How did how did that sort of come about? Um, that was all part of the negotiations. Um, that bit is probably the thing that has given me like the biggest glow internally from this was that when I got offered the deal to write Klopp, actually, it came with the second book. They were like, you are quite clearly a writer. You've clearly got all this like that. I think we'd sent them over some stuff of bits that I've written and they'd looked at my stand up shows and they were like, you are the sort of author we want and the the publisher that I signed with Two Roads um, who are a division of Hachette they only produce I think six books a year and they like to sort of work small and and neat and detailed and to have them look at a bunch of tweets and go yeah we trust you to write two books and one of them's a novel and and the novel just had complete free reign they just said what do you want to write Mm. and I started telling them about this tv show idea that I I've written and gets optioned every now and again but never goes anywhere and I was telling them all about the plot for that and they just went sounds brilliant do you want to write it as a novel um and that blew my mind really that you have that much faith in me or be able to see that from tweeting and writing and looking at bits and pieces that is just been one of my favorite things that's ever happened because I just yeah I've always wanted to write novels and just have somebody I don't know like I love my stand-up career and I'll never stop doing stand-up I love it but I get a lot of reviews and things like that that are like she's so cheerful her personality is you know this and that and she's so upbeat and fun and sweet and I think I am but I'm also I'm a really good writer underneath that and it quite often gets lost in the wash when I get valued if that makes sense so it's it's been really nice to have that affirmation of someone going no we can see that it isn't an accident all this stuff you're doing that <laughs> that's your writing uh, if it's any consolation um, to you, Laura, f- from from an outside perspective, um, that cheerfulness is is an enjoyable th- in- enjoyable thing to witness when it <laughs> means a heckler thinks they're going to have an easy time because um, you do occasionally go viral for destroying them, don't you? So uh, yeah, yeah. 
don't mess with me. Just don't argue with me. I'm very good at what I do. Don't don't test me. (laughs) (laughs) If I can write 58 puns for domestic sex via football in six weeks, then I can think of a put down for a drunk idiot on a Saturday night. That is far. Six weeks. I hadn't picked up on the math of that. That's so exciting to hear about about your novel, Laura. Do you think that the um, do you think that this has come from your kind of observational comedy uh, background as well? The fact that you're able to pick out that, the kind of sensitivity to people and place, because obviously a lot of the things we've been talking about for this podcast have been around the humour, and it is largely a humorous book with lots of laugh and laugh out loud. If that's not a terrible cliche, which it is, um, moments <laughs> and, and and turns of phrase that really like tickle you. But there's also I don't know, like you mentioned about the about your anxiety, there's a lovely bit I enjoyed in uh, about halfway through where you say, I descend in a mist of that distinctive sadness that comes from being able to touch objects from the past, but not the past itself. And that's sort of a really beautiful line, I thought, which, because that's actually, I think that's a bit earlier on in the book than I remembered. And it slightly takes you by surprise the kind of emotional range that you managed to cram into into this book oh thank you yeah I think stand-up is a is is an amazing testing ground uh it was one of the things that I found really difficult going from being a stand-up to writing a book was I couldn't get instant feedback all the time and when Mm. you do stand-up you write a bit you go and say it out loud you see what works you see what doesn't you get applause or no applause you edit it you take it back and it's a bit better and and with a book you can't do that you just write and write and write and then you put it out and then you hope that people like it because it's too late if they don't (laughs) so that's really hard but but I think like being a stand-up's massively influenced it I mean my second then my novel is going to be about a women's netball team and the entire idea for that came out of doing stand-up about netball and seeing this reaction that it gets from women and people that had to play it at school and they just go oh my god netball and you go yeah what is netball it's ludicrous (laughs) why aren't we taught a game where we could earn a a living or go to the pub and watch it or you know all this stuff but no we're taught this ridiculous game and so I started doing some stand-up about that and then I sort of thought like actually this is getting such a reaction from people why is nobody talking about this more and then it progressed into being in my head like this like group of women coming together to play netball and and now it's going to be a book and that's all come out of bringing it up randomly I think at a gig at G Live in Guildford. Oh, there was a netball team there on a (laughs) social, and I was like you say, I was emceeing, and one of them chipped in, and I went, "What are you people out for netball?" And I started improvising about all the different rules of netball, and every single person that had learned netball at school just lost it in that room. And I thought, oh, there's something in this. But you find out that so immediately when you're a stand-up, you you see what there's an appetite for. So it's really helpful. So you potentially are a thwarted football fan. You just were sent down the Yeah, maybe. Route. I just yeah. got stuck playing netball. So that that's, that is one of the things that I think is a huge injustice. And I know it's changing now that they do teach more girls and more people to play um, football. But like at school, we weren't allowed to learn it. And so you don't develop a passion for something if you're told it's not for you and you're never shown it. And then you grow up and the games that I learned... Are, are not really televised, are not things that 
the mass populace is there for. But I, I don't know how to manufacture that passion in myself for the thing that's most easily accessible and has the biggest community. And it could just be so easily fixed by just teach everybody football. Football is an incredibly simple idea there's you know women can play it just as well as men you don't need much equipment like netball you have to have two hoops and all those lines on the floor to be able to play it at all like (laughs) football just you know you can set up two jumpers to make a goalpost and kick something about and you can play some sort of version of it it's so accessible it's brilliant just teach it to everybody yeah and you can be it doesn't matter your size or your skit you know there's you can be a massive center back you can be a little mini um messy or and have loads of skill you're absolutely uh yeah preaching to the choir here uh although i should probably point out that you can watch netball on tv these days yes it's growing it's really (laughs) growing but it's fascinating how much it's growing and also like um uh casual playing the the like leagues for amateurs that is growing massively as well which is why it was so frustrating every time I pitched this TV show about a women's netball team to be told, oh, I don't know if there's a market for it. You go, there is! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> every I single person in that was born. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree about the football, though. I mean, I definitely tried to, as I'm sure I told Jim and everyone loads before, I definitely tried to play in the boys' team when I was little, but I was... Um, not good enough straight away to you know get past to like if I'd been oh. Megan Rapino or whoever then it would have probably been a different story but like, <laughs> it's it's it, I probably my um enthusiasm for the game actually comes from feeling like shut out of it and then suddenly as I got slightly older realizing that I could just you know I could follow it and I didn't need to fight all these people in order mm. to yeah uh, in order to be a part of it so it's really interesting that that's there's that there's a reflection on your life as well in a different way given that you're writing this book that's not really <laughs> about football but it's about football culture it really is and that's pretty much all we ever talk about on the football ramble isn't it Jim indeed yeah unless something ridiculous happens uh, which is football related which is obviously about five times a day because uh, if you give enough teenagers enough money stupid stuff happens <laughs> um so yeah well um I- Thank you for coming on, Laura. Um, it's, it's been a joy to both discuss um, uh, Klopp actually with you and also to read it. And if uh, if anybody um, likes the sound of it, um, as, as I've said already, I, I heartily recommend reading it. Uh, you can get it from all of the uh, all of the usual places. Kate, is it is it Hive, the uh, the website you generally recommend? Oh, where... yeah, I do like it. Hive.co.uk, yeah, they give you some... They, it's a bit like Amazon in the sense that you can, you know, get your stuff, but and it's easy, but they give money to one of your local bookshops. You just nominate it. Yeah, so, so that's nice, isn't it, as well? So if you if you want to check out Klopp, actually, that's probably a nice way to do it. Laura, is there is there any way you'd like to direct people to if they you know so they can see more of your stuff or or whatnot? Um, yeah, if you go to my website, which is lauralex.co.uk, uh, it's got my tour shows are going online. Uh, I will be doing my tour shows all from my house and you can watch Ooh. them around the country on the internet. Or if you want to buy signed copies of Klopp, actually, I sell them for £10 on my website if you want to get them direct from me. Wow, will you hey, be doing your stand-up shows from this very podcasting venue? E- yes. <laughs> I've now, Using this my exact tour was mic. supposed to finish last April and it hasn't started yet. So <laughs> we're giving up trying to actually tour and I'm just going to do it from my house into a webcam and people can watch it online. It's the future. That's nice. <laughs> are you going to do um are you going to do specified regional material based yes, on where you yeah. would be <laughs> hey oxford oh i went to x pub today <laughs> <laughs> 
So Laura, thanks again for coming on to um, chat to us about um, about Klopp. Actually, it's been a, it was a pleasure to read it, and also it's been a, been a pleasure to sort of get some insight into into how it happened. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm very delighted to have been on a football podcast. <laughs> I think yeah, you've nailed you can it. Really carry it off. I love yeah, and I love the fact that you actually did deliver like a speech about why everyone should be allowed to play football. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you go back to do that. It was rousing. It's great. You've got f- maybe you've converted yourself, if anything, which is. I know perfect. Jamie Redknapp. He was married to the one from Eternal. Yes. yes. There we go. This, that's true. Yeah. He was the one. In fact, he was the last episode, Laura. Was he? So, oh, yeah. I, well, congrats to him for being my warm up act. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Laura, for for coming on. Thanks, Kate, of course, um, for for uh, for being being an excellent co-host as ever. Thank you guys for listening and uh, buy Laura's book. Frankly, we'll see you soon. (laughs) Bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.